You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. Inspired by an article in Vibe magazine entitled Racer X, the Fast and the Furious franchise, despite overwhelmingly low review scores, has become Universal Pictures' biggest franchise of all time. Director Rob Cohen wanted to make a movie about street racing, and once they'd purchased the rights to the show's name, they were, well, off to the races. Vin Diesel quickly became the fan favorite of the series, and he used that to his advantage. He got Universal to give him the rights to Riddick as part of the deal to return for Too Fast, Too Furious, and eventually he became co-producer of the franchise. Now, as everyone knows, co-star Paul Walker passed away in November of 2013 during filming of Furious 7, which resulted in some clever stand-ins and digital manipulation. Whether it's because of Walker's death or the series' growing appeal, Furious 7 has not only been the most profitable of the franchise, grossing over $1.5 billion worldwide to date, it's also earned the highest aggregate review score on Rotten Tomatoes, 81%. The series follows a somewhat disjointed timeline, thanks mainly to Tokyo Drift, which released in 2006, however, takes place after Fast and Furious 6, which released in 2013. This is especially confusing thanks to Han's various appearances, despite the fact that he died in Tokyo Drift. Toss in a couple of short films into the mix, and you've got yourself a clusterfuck of a franchise. However, none of that matters, because we don't watch these movies for their stories. We watch them because of the characters, and of course the cars. Though I'd hazard to guess that for most of us, it's the characters. For this episode of Popcorn Ronin, I reached out to a couple fantastic people who I know are big fans of the franchise, to put it mildly. Listeners of our gaming podcast for the lore already know Joel and Renee. Folks, I'm so glad we could make this happen and have you on the podcast. Dude, I'm so happy that you finally had me on here. <laughs> of course. Same here. I know that it's only because you let Renee come and I had to come along some of the puppy dog that has to follow, but it's okay. Well, as long as we all know where we stand. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, Vince is here tonight too. How are you doing, buddy? Yeah, doing all right. So this is going to be fun. I, I really don't want to necessarily go through every single movie, but just kind of touch on some of our favorites throughout and whatnot. And the, the kind of somewhat... <laughs> overarching story that happens throughout we do know that there is going to be at least another two movies going to be coming out this was just announced by vin diesel actually it was either yesterday or the day before where he said they're going to have another trilogy again it's they they think of their films coming out in trilogies despite that it's a franchise and it just confuses people a little more, but there's going to be another Especially trilogy. since there's so much debate as to which movies make up a trilogy. <laughs> yeah. And so, and it's still not clear whether Furious 7 counts as the first in that trilogy or starting from 8 will be the new one. Now, we're actually just going to jump right into 7. We'll go back and touch on some of the other ones. But because 7 is fresh in our minds, and for some of us, we've at least seen it a couple of times now... I'm going to come right out and say it, that as much as I enjoyed the show, and I, I've never hidden my love of racing, especially on our gaming podcast, I love racing. I love the everything about it. I love games about it. I like movies about it. It's got to be pretty bad. And this has tested that. This franchise has tested that with me, for me not to want to watch them again and again. But I got to say, despite the fact that it is, again, the highest rating of rated of the, the series, it's actually one of my least favorites. What about you? We'll start with Joe. Well, I'm going to be perfectly honest. I really enjoyed Seven. Like, it, yeah, I, what, that's not what I'm saying though. In, in terms as of as far as my favorite in the series, are you? It, does it rank yeah. uh, towards the top of that list? It does. I think it's my second favorite in the series. Okay, all right, Tark. What about you? Um, yeah, it's definitely up there for me. Um. When I was trying to convince people to go see it, I told quite a few people that it definitely had no right to be 
that good being the seventh movie in a franchise. Okay, well, let's go with that then. What do you think it is that actually made it, quote-unquote, that good for you? The the humor factor. I love the combination of Tyrese and right. Ludacris. Yeah. I mm-hmm. could watch an entire movie of just those two. I agree, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I'll, I'll say the same. Like, the individual characters don't do a lot for me, but it's the, the cast as a whole and the way they play off each other that really makes these movies what they are. And there was a lot of good stuff in Seven, again, especially with Tyrese and Ludacris. But, uh, like, for me, it felt too much like an Expendables movie instead of a Fast and the yeah. Furious movie where it, it tried a little too hard to be cheesy. And the the it was all over the place, you know, as far as, you know, going from South America to Dubai and it, it it felt a little disjointed. And there were a lot there were a lot of characters and actors in this movie and not enough screen time for all of them. See, I'm actually going to argue with you in terms of the international appeal of the show, because that's actually something that I've always liked of the entire franchise mm-hmm. is that it's not just an American show. Not that there's no, anything I, wrong I with that. I agree. But I just think there was too many locations in this one. See, it's not me, for it me. More like it read more like a a Grand Theft Auto game almost in that regard, where it's like changing locales like that so frequently. I was actually okay with it. See, for me, it was far more of a. It was kind of like an Ocean's Eleven feel to it, mm-hmm. and toss in that international flair, and and I really dug that for for everything else that I was not crazy about with the show. That was actually something that I really liked, and the fact that it was authentic to those areas, you really felt like you were there, kind of thing. Uh, not authentic with cars going through buildings so much as the the locales. <laughs> I really dug that about it, actually. And it was amazing, like those locations, especially like Dubai on the big screen. Oh yeah, that was that was worth it alone for me. The way that, and it sounds really goofy, but it's one of those things that I like is the way that lighting plays off of buildings and locations in bright settings, not necessarily shadow, because I think it's one of the harder things to do. And they still managed to make it so visually stunning, not just from the action sequences, but from how they played off the light, off the buildings, off the sands, off of everything that was going on over there. And it was just really bright and poppy and really eye-catching. And I well, love that. It's unforgiving. That's the thing. You better know what you're doing if you're doing a movie in bright light, because it's unforgiving. You could hide a lot in the shadows, not to, you know, toss in a pun but it's true whereas you toss in a setting where it is bright lights and and sunlight and they're not relying on sandstorms say like we've seen in Mm -hmm. tom cruise movies then you're really getting a a setting where the the director better damn well know what it is that they're doing and i think he did so the 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 thing with seven that okay let's start with what i liked what Mm -hmm. i did like same as what you guys were saying, was the obvious cast. The the bringing everybody in made it that much better. And especially once you toss in The Rock, who's now become a steady in the shows, to the point of pretty much agreeing that he's going to be in the next one for sure. Tossing in um, Jason Salem as a bad guy worked beautifully, in my opinion. I loved him as the boogeyman. Oh, yeah. He just show up randomly. Like, that was a great use of his character. Well, the thing, too, is that we've seen him enough and seen how good he is in choreographed fighting roles that he's believable. And while I was watching the fight scenes, especially the first one with The Rock, you're watching that. And what I've always told people, and especially the wife when we sit down to watch these, is like, you know, Vin Diesel always looks like a big guy on that show. Until The Rock shows up. <laughs> and then it's like, you feel like saying, Vin, you should pick up some barbells every once in a while because, mm, man. I was just having that thought today, too, because we were, we were watching wrestling. And I was like, you know, I remember The Rock was really, really skinny. Then I watched him in, in Fast and Furious 7. And I was like, he's a fucking mountain now. Oh, he's he is. just a mountain. Now that he doesn't need cardio or agility, he's just gotten gigantic. Yeah. So, yeah. but he's such a good actor. He, mm-hmm. I mean, the early stuff of his was so bad so bad but it was still but, good in that no it wasn't scorpion yes, king was yes, horrible yes, no. no no it was horrible <laughs> horrible horrible but he got better and he doesn't take himself seriously by the time you got to run down he was damn good and it just kept getting better and better and he has great acting chops and and especially in comedic roles so when when you get that fight scene between Statham and him 
again, knowing what we know of, of Statham and how good he is in these fight scenes, I couldn't think of many villains that could have been put in that role, actors in that villainous role, that could have pulled that off as believably as he did. Oh, and that opening sequence, that fight with them in the uh, in the headquarters, yeah. that was just absolutely amazing give and take. And I loved like... I love the fact that, and I, I commented this before, it has just a little bit of fast cinematography, not a whole lot of it. So you actually get to see the moves, you get to see the pulls, you get to see the suplexes, you get to see all the interactions. It was absolutely a joy to watch those two go at it, especially so early in the, the movie, too. Plus a rock bottom through a table. Yeah. Let's not forget that. <laughs> well, I'd say even more, the actual opening scene of the movie of him in the hospital, like that that is kind of a masterclass in establishing a character. Like we don't know what happened. We don't need to know what happened, but from that moment on, it established him as a threat and it it played well throughout the entire movie. Every time he showed up, you're like, Oh crap, everyone's going to die. It was funny because as he's leaving the hospital, I could not help but think of the Joker. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, you were going to say Tart. Oh no, I was just going to say, yeah, that, I loved that part too, where you're just like, oh, he's showing up. Yes, everything is going to blow, blow up. up. Yeah. <laughs> now, the only thing that I will say, staying with the fight scenes in the movie, is that I expect a large portion of cheese when I'm watching Furious movies. Okay. I, I, I accept that, and that's fine. I'm, I'm more fine with it when it's stupid, cheesy racing stuff. Even some of the back and forth, sure. But there was way too much of this. We're going to put our guns down and just fight with our fists or with a crowbar bullshit. Way. Sword fight with car parts. Yeah, way (laughs) too much of that. And as someone who spent decades fighting, I'm looking at that going, ah, you know, you had me at the actual fights. If you wanted to work it into the story that they were, they just were unarmed for whatever reason, it's not hard to come up with a reason why then fine, make them. But this bullshit macho bullshit of, oh, I'm just going to toss this gun aside and beat you with my fist. Fuck that noise. I always go back to the Indiana Jones scene, with the guy with the sword and just pulling the gun out and shooting him. That's what a real man does. Because it worked in the uh, in the bus scene with Paul Walker and Tony fucking Jaw. Yeah. God. Because they they established the confined quarters that the firearms weren't quite working and they had to resort to that. That scene, it worked. But yeah, overall, it was eh. Yeah, I agree. So what did you guys think then about Kurt Russell in the role? Tart, what did you think? <laughs> I loved that. I I remember being in the theater just like, oh my god, is that Kurt Russell? That's so amazing. <laughs> they had to have Kurt Russell. That's how did they get him for the I kind of freaked out a little bit. All I know is that he was the absolute perfect casting for smarmy government agent. Like that that you couldn't have done possibly any better. I love when these actors reach the point in their career where like, you know what? Yeah. I'll do your stupid movie. <laughs> And they always kill it because it's the I mean, it's the first time in how long Kurt Russell looks like he's had fun. In yes, that's what I no, was thinking. There, there was another one. There was another cheesy heist movie that he did that was a tiny little Canadian like indie movie. That what was, was it? Awesome. What called was it? The Art of the Steel. I haven't hmm. seen that. Yeah. Oh my god, we were we've been raving about. Okay, <laughs> quick aside. If you like heist movies, you like that type of stuff, you like the Ocean's Eleven style, you like Fast and Furious, and you like Kurt Russell, watch Art of the Steel. It is absolutely phenomenal. I do know what you're talking about. That's right. I haven't seen it, but no, I remember the uh, the trailers for that. Yes, and that looked freaking awesome, actually. And it was. And it was. Okay. And he looked like he was having fun throughout that entire movie. But it's like Vince said, too. I mean, he, he did his bit with the more serious roles and all that, and this had a lot more of... The big trouble in China, in, mm-hmm. in Chinatown kind of thing. And and, and it just, it, it made me think that, like you said, he's reached that point where it's, I'm just going to take a role. It doesn't matter how long I'm on screen for and just have fun with it. And, and I was all right with him. Now, this is where I know you three probably had a grand old time with Ronda Rousey in there as well. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> it was great, but I wish that the fight scene would have been better. The fight scene was fine. It was all the talking I could have done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's fair. She is a lot. It would have been a little longer. I'd have been okay with it. She she she's a lot more eloquent when she's talking about Pokemon. <laughs> if you see interviews of her talking about Pokemon, she's far more eloquent. The, Especially since she had to follow up uh, Gina Carano's performance from Fast and Furious Six, who was far better of an actress. Yeah. The, yeah. the only thing that I found with that, and I I like her as well. Obviously, it's, you can't not like this woman, but. That doesn't mean you have to like her as an actress. And the problem was, is that it created this stark contrast for me in my brain, especially when I was watching it the second time, Mm -hmm. where I'm thinking, you know, what I was just saying, The Rock and Statham, completely freaking believable. The other women versus Rhonda, not in the freaking least. Because she wasn't a character. It was Ronda Rousey. Yeah, but, well, not just that. She's an imposing figure. And it's obvious when you see her fight, she knows what she's doing as well. So, like, when she's picking up Letty by the neck there, you're going, she could snap her like a fucking (laughs) twig if she wanted to. And so, whenever she's landing a punch on Ronda, it's like, that would not even graze her. She would laugh that off. And so I just did not think that it fit. What I would have actually liked to have seen is her going against freaking Vin. None of this bullshit of, oh, I can't hit a woman. No, 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 no. Ronda Rousey's coming after you. You better damn well fight back. <laughs> and my money's on her, not Vin. <laughs> so I would have much preferred to have seen that, which would have also, again, it's paying respect to what the woman can do. You just have to watch clips of her fights to know that this woman can stand toe to toe against any freaking man. You can watch the whole fight. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just the woman knows how to fight and defend herself. So I would have put her against the big guys, at least one of them. And that would have been a fight that would have been the crap out of Tyrese. I would have loved (laughs) that. Yeah, that would have been hysterical. I'm holding out hope that in like one of the new movies that'll be coming out that Ronda Rousey's character winds up like coming over to the to the Toretto side of things and winds up having like a fight sequence with like a recently escaped Jason Statham. That would make me happy. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. And they do like to bring people back, although I don't know that they'll bring her back. Um, It was it was funny because, again, and this is something that they've talked about for all of the films, how. Like for, for some of them, it was very much the street racing aspect. And then for some of the other ones, it was very much the detective work and the FBI stuff and then returning to racing and whatnot. And this was very much that Ocean's Eleven kind of feel to it. And while they're saying that they want to go back to roots of racing and all that, I'm a little disappointed. I would have liked to have seen this type of story, the international espionage and stuff like that, go on for a little bit longer because you can still have spectacular car races and stunts throughout as was obviously proven with this and have that fun thriller political not political but spy thriller kind of feel to it as well the series isn't complete until they're racing on the great wall of china (laughs) have you ever seen the great wall of china you jackass it doesn't matter do you really think physics plays listen no no hold on a second this is perfect there's those large gaps in the wall they have perfect pre-made jump spots i'm just saying i'm with vince on this one put a couple of billboards up yeah call it burnout paradise there you go (laughs) so anyways yeah this is the the story for this wasn't necessarily my favorite also because it it was very much a ripoff of person of interest this God's Eye thing. I don't know if I, any of you watch Person of Interest. No. Yeah. yeah so we've actually been watching that show since the beginning kind of thing. And it's been, it's on what, it's fifth season now, I believe it's starting up at least. And so obviously before this, now this is not to say that this isn't a concept that other people would have thought of. I mean, that's where we're headed. So I, I can, I can be okay with that, but it just struck me far, far too much. This god's eye thing and then again the same thing as what we saw in batman as well so mm-hmm. with the screen where it's taken over every cell phone and, and gotham kind of thing so it was a concept that we've seen enough of and and while they they kind of added a whole bunch of suspense to it especially with the freaking dude coming in with his helicopter and drones it, it, it got to be that there was too many people trying to get this thing and i think that that also helped to just confuse the overall story arc which is certainly not something you want to do when all that really matters is racing and crashing cars 
Yeah, I will, I will give you a little that that was a little bit much having the uh, first of all, because as far as I'm concerned, there's no way in hell uh, like that type of pl- like air vehicle would have made it into that airspace without immediate response. So it was like a little far fetched to begin with, even for this series. And then just I could have done without it. I could have done with something a little more, I guess, earthy. I guess would be the best way to phrase it. Tart, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, the plot definitely wasn't the best. Um, There was a little much going on, and at some point I hit kind of a wall of I just don't care anymore. Um, (laughs) But whatever, the the rock is ripping a gun off a helicopter and, you know, blowing stuff up. So at that point, eh. Yeah. The the fights against the helicopter killed me. Oh God! And and when I think it was Vin, wasn't it? Who when he stomps the ground oh and it, everything falls down, oh, and I'm going, "Are you happened. serious? What is he hulking about out?" A street fight. The street always wins. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, this was one of the worst for corny lines too. I found. Oh, by far, I am the cavalry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I said, that, that, that made it feel more like an Expendables movie than a Fast and Furious movie because I expect stupid, terrible one-liners out of that franchise, but not here. Like, I expect some goofy lines, but this was so blatant. Well, I've gone back for this and watched all of them again. There's a lot of cheesy lines in all of them. Nothing uh, this near the only this one level. where I could almost see the actors winking at the camera yes, before yes. the line. <laughs> <laughs> I I would love to see some of the outtakes, especially with oh, The Rock God. for this. It would have been hysterical. There's actually a picture of him that I think he posted on Twitter. And it if it wasn't for this one, it would have been for the one before where he's following behind. Ah, damn it. Now I'm not going to be able to remember her name. The cop that eventually made was was living with Dom for a while. Elena. Oh, the, uh... So he's behind her and she's got her gun and she's looking forward and she's all serious and he's looking off to the camera with this cheesy smile <laughs> flexing his bicep. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes, that's why people want you in their movies, Dwayne. <laughs> okay, well, we have to talk about the obvious skyscraper stunt with yeah. the car going through. I've seen a lot of stunts in a lot of movies. <laughs> and I have no idea how much of this is digital, how much was planned, how much is, you know, I've no idea. I actually have not looked and I don't want to because it came off so fucking real that it looked like they actually drove cars through those buildings. Yeah, I I didn't look that up either because I didn't want to spoil it because it looked so well done. And other than that, I don't know if there were any other stunts that really caught anybody else's attention. Um, them pushing the the cars, the parachuting cars. Oh yeah. How did we forget the parachuting yeah. cars <laughs> that they actually did? Did they really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, again, I didn't look at that, that was a practical. That was practical application. All I know is George Miller would have actually drove those cars through the buildings. Also true. <laughs> yeah, the the parachuting cars was pretty goddamn awesome. I will give you that. And again, tossing in the obvious humor with with what's his face that doesn't want to go down. So that Roman, was yeah. yeah, that was that was fun. Okay, how about we go to some of the other films in the franchise now? The I don't know if you guys saw the first one when it actually released or if you Release guys opening night in the theater. Were oh, you really? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Well, I didn't. <laughs> it was the hardest ticket to get in town to. It was ridiculous. Really? See, and I got yes. lucky because Buffalo's not really wasn't a, like a big like racing area. So I was able to just like go right into the theater. It was like nobody in there. And I was like, yes, it's awesome. See, I actually caught it only when it came out on video. I didn't. I didn't go to the theater to, to go see it. But, I mean, as much as the wife loves, loves watching these shows with me and all that, we don't actually go out to see this type of show very often kind of thing. Um, but we definitely have watched it multiple times now since it, it, it came out. It was, I mean, there, there certainly was a lot of, of cheese again 
in, in that one. However, if you compare it to the similar types of movie of that time or, or around that time, it actually was surprisingly good. I mean, despite a very low rating, it's got like a 53% rating on, on Rotten Tomatoes. For fans of that type of show, I mean, it's no Steve McQueen movie, but I mean, it was still surprisingly good. Kind of typical stuff with have to insert conflicts with an Asian gang and, and this and that. Of course, it, it takes place in L.A., so you expect a certain amount of that. But it, it I don't know. I, I always thought that it, for what it was at the time, it was fun and it was, while not necessarily believable, it was still something that I could not be criticizing as I'm watching, put it that way. It stayed in its lane. It did exactly what it wanted to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> You've got these no, planned out, don't you? Don't lie. He's got little post-it notes, and whenever he uses one, he just takes that off and puts it in the trash. He just keeps giving himself a cookie every time he gets one through successfully. <laughs> I need podcast cookies. That would be good. <laughs> no, it, it, exactly. It knew exactly what it wanted to do. It did went out. It did it. And again, like it's not going to win any awards, but it was. I, I still watch it every time I flip by it on TV. Yeah. Yep. It was just fun. Like, and you can tell that it was when it was made. And, and they talked about this in interviews too. After the first movie uh, was made, and they announced that there was going to be more in the sequence, they just had fun making the movie. Like that was the whole point of it. They didn't expect it to be this big blockbuster. They didn't expect it to be this big, you know, magnum opus. They didn't expect it to be. This this huge, like, it's going to turn cinema on its side. They were just a bunch of people who are like, I like racing cars and I like spy movie stuff, so fuck it, let's do it. And see, I wish that there had been more of that for Too Fast, Too Furious, because Singleton <laughs> took over for that one, and then it, it tried to be something entirely different. And they had to toss in what they were trying to tell is this important customs story and, and whatnot. And the, the drug lords, of course. And and it just, well, well we got some humor and some fun stuff, especially with Roman Pierce being introduced and whatnot. And there was some ridiculousness overall, as much as again, I do enjoy watching it because I enjoy that genre. If it wasn't for that, I wouldn't watch it again. I, I felt that that one missed the mark a lot more than the first one, which again, a lot of people agree with that because I was looking at a 36% review score for that yeah. sucker. It's definitely at the bottom of my list, but I think it's a movie they could have made a lot better now, now that they kind of figured out their formula. I agree with that, but I mean, it's still, it's not a bad movie. It's just not as good as it potentially could have been. It just didn't live up to its potential. And I think part of that though, too, is when we're looking back on it after seeing the rest of the franchise and seeing the direction, everything else went, it's kind of hard to compare two to the rest of them because it's just such a, a completely different direction than everything else. Though I will say I'm really, really pleased that from six to seven, they actually tied two into the to the main storyline because it desperately needed that. It needed mm -hmm. it needed some form of cohesion. Like how the hell does this fit in into this movie series in general? I don't think that one was the one that was a problem fitting in. The obvious yeah. one was Tokyo Drift. I mean, that was right out of left field had nothing to do with nothing except that it was a racing show until Han started showing up in the other ones. And you kind of started figuring out the ties. And I mean, there's a little bit of that in Tokyo Drift, but not too much, which isn't to say I didn't like it because of all of them, that one's still my favorite, despite the fact that it's got the worst actor in all of oh them, my God. which is it's saying so a lot. Bad. It's he's the worst of them all, but I still love that show more than any others and once again we're looking at this one this one's got a 37 percent. still not the lowest that's that's <laughs> that's a furious which one is that that's a fast and the furious the next one that one's at 28 percent. but uh, you can't really brag about 37 <laughs> percent. i don't know which did you guys like tokyo drift at all i did i did too even For at what the it time was. yeah I, I think it's where they figured out their formula of, okay, the story is ridiculous. Like <laughs> we're going to race for honor down the side of the mountain. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's ludicrous, but they played it straight to a point, but never try to take it too seriously. Like, I think it's where 
It's also the first one that was directed by uh, Justin Lin. And of course, you know, he's the director who did the next three up through six. So I, I think it's where they figured out a lot of how to make the franchise work overall, aside from just being a single movie. It went a long way towards establishing a style for the show mm-hmm. as well. And that really made a huge difference. The, I think it was at that point that the music became iconic with the series as well. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, Seven took that to a whole new level, of course. But it really is. I still listen to the music from the show for from Tokyo Drift, and it, it just fits so perfectly. And while the Racing for Honor <laughs> was grown-worthy, that, God, that was horrible. Yeah. Everything else about it kind of made up for it. They, they overdid the Yakuza thing with the, the uncle kind of thing, but... The characters and the setting, and it, and it was very much that anime kids in high school feel to it kind of thing. But they made it kind of work, and I liked the characters. Even though they were completely ridiculous, I still liked the characters. I didn't always like the actors, but I liked the characters. And again, the setting, well, we love Japanese shows kind of thing, so... Especially for fans of anime, it really was a ton of fun. And then toss in if you're a fan of like Ridge Racer drifting games kind of thing. And this was like, oh, my God. And then the fucking cars in this movie were <laughs> unbelievable. And the the racing stunts, while not to the degree of, again, going through freaking buildings in Dubai... The racing stunts were spectacular when you're looking at how they're going through town and they were going through towns through town. I should say through Tokyo, like the stunts were unbelievable. Like it takes a lot of talent to be able to drift a car like that. It it was again. I like watching it even just for the freaking races. I'll fast forward through the shit and just watch the races because they're so bloody well done. And then I don't know about you guys, but I know a lot of people feel the same way, too. Han Han is actually probably my favorite character in the entire series. He's just a very relaxed, cool freaking dude. And anytime he's in a show, in a scene or whatever, you can't help but be looking at him. And it doesn't matter if even Vin Diesel is in the scene. Yeah, because he's just chilling in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Tart. No, I was just saying, I, I really liked Han. Han was always like... He always kind of had like a, a humor aspect too. Like they'd give him some really good one-liners, even though his character was so calm. And I just enjoy the fact that he was always fucking eating something. Yes. <laughs> like always. <laughs> I can relate to this character. Did you actually read why that is? Because there was a another show that was done with a character, a Han character, that it while it was never said that it was a Fast and Furious part of the franchise or that that was the Han from there. It was pretty heavily alluded to. And in the show he smokes. And then when he stops smoking, he has to constantly be eating just to keep his hands busy. And it's that the carried over. What's that? It's Kojak. So it, it, it carried over into this. The only thing that I thought was really changed the way I looked at Han. Did you guys watch the Los ben- Bandoleros short that was written and directed by Vin? No. 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 D- don't bother. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's, I, this is why I can see why Universal is scared if Vin wants to direct <laughs> one of the shows. <laughs> Cause it's like, oh, this takes place between too fast, too furious and fast and furious. And basically this is when he's in the Dominica, Dominican Republic and Letty goes and finds him and brings mm-hmm. him back. And, I mean, there's some minor racing and there's some kind of setting up, trying to set up plot points for the various characters. Well, with the exception of Paul Walker's character, but for, for Dom to come back and whatnot. You could tell that it was written by someone who just may wanted to make Dom look cool because <laughs> Letty is the, the thing that I always liked about that character is that she's a fucking tough ass woman. 
None of this bullshit of taking a backseat to the boys. She is pulling off the heist with them. She is going into the races and winning and she's doing all of this shit and she doesn't put up with shit from Dom either. And then when they did the whole mind wipe bullshit, well, that was just, again, another trope that they felt they had to toss in there, but still. Well, I mean, to speak of the series, with the exception of Mia Toretto, almost all of the female characters have been like that. Yeah. But in here, she goes to find him and bring him back, essentially, because he kind of, he was, he left her and, and all that. But of course, Vin had to write Dom off as this ladies' man. And he always had, like, he'd look at the ladies in different shows and stuff like that, maybe an arm around them. But this was like, he is damn near ready to take two of them. He's got two of them on a couch, and he's ready to hit the, the, the sack with them. And she shows up and takes him back. <laughs> he's being a sleazebag. And she's saying she followed his scent throughout all of the countries until she finds him. <laughs> So he's been banging chicks all over the place, but she's still going to take him back and fuck him in the car while they're driving off somewhere. So it's like, what the fuck did you do, Vin? Like, why did you have to write her down like this? It it just, it it was horrible. Horrible. (laughs) It it pisses me off. But anyways. Um, So yeah, the, uh, but the point that I was going to make, was that he wrote Han in there as well. Now, as if shit wasn't confusing enough already (laughs) with how Han fits into this, here we have him, Han, showing up in the Dominican Republic to do a job with Dom. And it's just, again, when you're looking at all the various freaking timelines and trying to make sense of what goes where, it, it just made matters worse. Roger, we've read enough comic books to know. Don't try to make sense yeah, of the timelines. Yeah. Yep. It's not you it. just sit back, you watch, you enjoy. You don't try and make sense of it. And then the next three after that were the Fast and Furious and Fast Five and Fast and Furious 6. And Lord, I wish they would come up with a better way of One naming convention? Yeah, that'd be nice. But It still bothers me that it wasn't Furious 6 <laughs> instead of Furious 7. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if because you're gonna, if you're going to do Fast Five, the next one has to be Furious Six. Yeah, this was another one where they between the, the three of them, where there's a lot of bouncing around, like like you were saying, the international settings. I mean, we're we're looking at the Dominican Republic, Rio de Janeiro, Hong Kong, and if I'm not mistaken, they were a, even in England for a little while for some of the, yeah, because the uh, six is where Hobbs comes in, or no, Hobbs comes into Hobbs. five, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you're getting a lot of the international flair mm-hmm. that I really have always loved. Because, again, you, the thing that I like about it is not just seeing other countries, which obviously I love, but also that it provides you with new track settings, whether yeah, you're absolutely. looking at city or whatever. It, they just they were more cohesive for me than Seven was. And what did you guys think about that? Because again, they're, they they consider those a trilogy, and that one was they were trying to downplay the street racing elements and focus more on armed robberies and whatnot. So if you're looking at again a Ocean's Eleven type of feel, that was even more so what we got from those three. Those ones are definitely my least favorites. Oh, yeah? Like, I mean, hmm. other than the fact that they have Han and I like the characters, like plot wise. I've seen them all three or four times, and all I can really remember is like dragging the safe. I was just going to say, the safe is the highlight of the franchise. <laughs> but but that's that's all I remember. That's well, it. To be to be fair, though, if you're looking at especially the first one, the, the Fast and Furious in 2009, brings back Braga to to and and all of that bullshit, which I hated that drug lord bullshit from. Too Fast, Too Furious. So getting yet more of that here really didn't interest me whatsoever. Four uh, is probably one of my least favorite amongst the franchise, but five is my favorite. Oh, really? I think five is the first one where they stopped, at least in my opinion, they stopped trying to make a good movie. <laughs> like they they had their big action set pieces, they had their fun. Like they took, like I said, like the lessons they learned in Tokyo Drift 
and established them like to this cast and stopped trying to take everything so super seriously. Like five and six are my are my favorites in the franchise. I will say actually, yeah, five was fairly decent and a large part of that was again the international flair, but also that the, inserting the rock in and mm-hmm. getting that element now added to the team because I I feel that the franchise does better as they introduce new people and hang on to them because it was by by which what was it by the end of five I think Han was with what's her name Giselle I think? Giselle yeah. yeah so you then see her as part of the crew not nearly enough but you see her as part of the crew for five and then they're bringing back again Roman Pierce and, and stuff like that so I think that having that larger cast whereas in a lot of movies that's just spells a disaster for this franchise for some reason it works it, it makes it better I think it's because you can have weird subplots going right and especially because all of the actors play off each other so well yes yeah so you can have like Tyrese going off with Ludacris and having them do their thing. And that exchange is always going to be entertaining no matter what they're doing. They could be sitting there eating tacos in the car and that could be the entire subplot and it'll still be fucking hilarious. Um, like you can do that. You can have them do their own things. You can have them go and, and do different parts of the heist. And it adds more of that, like you said, that Ocean's Eleven feel where everybody has their key parts to play. But it's not just one person running off to go do something about themselves. Now it's a team. It's two or three people people that can go and do these things and those scenes are always more interesting when there's more people involved and then like it works with this franchise because all of those pieces then coalesce into one major like this is the end point this is the climax and everything they've done as these individual groups works towards this goal and then you know you achieve it and for lack of a better term it almost feels like it's a party of adventurers in a tabletop rpg well see that's the other thing too we were talking about that too and i I was telling you, look into it more. Well, it's one of those things where they haven't said that it was an influence in this series, but they have said that it's been an influence in their careers. And this is uh, Vin Diesel most has been the most vocal about it. Um, But other other actors have made mention of it. Uh, The Rock, I think, made a mention of enjoying that type of stuff very briefly. But Vin Diesel has been the most outspoken about it, how that really launched his career as an actor and taught him how to pretend to be something else and gave him ideas about world building and how things fit together. Um, But not so much as far as these particular set of movies go, which I think is, it's sad because you can kind of see it, right? Well, see, that's actually, that's an influence. Contradictory to what I had read from what I'd read is he does use a lot of the same, that same mentality for the world building for the Fast and Furious franchise, which is also why, they've said he's so difficult to work with for them as a series of progressing because nothing happens until he's gone through it and make sure that it's cohesive with this vision that he has of this world. No DM likes it when his players go and fuck around <laughs> with the world. <laughs> Too goddamn bad. <laughs> you want to throw a freaking tentacle monster at me? I will drop a mast on it. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Tart, what did you think about the lady losing her, her, her memory thing? I really disliked that whole plot. Like, it just annoyed the crap out of me. The other thing that I felt is that it was confusing, which (laughs) a Fast and Furious movie should not be confusing at any point. It should be pretty easy to follow. But I don't know if you felt the same way, because I really found it to be confusing throughout all of the movies, whenever they made reference to it or whatever, it just was like there. It always felt like there was information being held back, which I know is on purpose, but it just felt wrong. Well, especially because there would be, you know, a few years in between the movies coming yeah. out or sometimes there'd be longer gaps in between them. And then I would feel like I'd have to go back and rewatch all of them because by the time the next one came out, like, I could remember what happened four years ago in a Fast and the Furious movie. Like, no. I Hell, half the time I was like, oh, okay, I remember the safe thing, but I couldn't tell you anything else that happened in that movie. God damn it. Now i got to go back and watch all of these. Because otherwise I'm going to go into this next one and not remember, does she actually remember anything? And is she with him or not? Like, it's worse than a soap opera at some point. <laughs> 
kind of hard to disagree with that. <laughs> it also produced. It also was a produ- produced my the the scene I hate most in all of the entire series. And so she's like, I still don't remember you, but I love you anyway. And it's like, really? Like, what the fuck is that shit? Like, that made me so angry. I was just like, no, no. It's like every, every time that plot point came up, like it destroyed the pacing. Oh, the yes. Movies. Like it brought the entire movie to a crashing halt so they could get their little speeches oh, God, out of the You're going to take another little ticky note with, off of your desk, aren't you? <laughs> You are. Do you want a cookie? (laughs) (laughs) Crashing halt. You're a horrible human being, Vince. (laughs) But no, it's true what you're saying. It did really screw up with that. And if you look through all of the franchises, I can't point to any other overarching story element that, that throughout that has that much of a negative impact on it in terms of the story's pacing. Yeah. I mean, even Paul Walker becoming a father was like, oh, this is what happens. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it was slowing down the story really to speak of. I loved, you know, racing minivan dad. (laughs) That was awesome. That was was hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was so good. Which leads, unfortunately, to that final scene in Furious 7, which was just an homage to Paul Walker. And I know that I discussed this with, with Joe, and you were saying you, you liked it. I did. It was, I hated it. I hated it every time I've watched the show now. I hate it. Which sounds cold, but it's not meant to be. Again, I have nothing against the actor, and it's not even that I look at it and say, well, I'm glad he's out of the shows at least because he sucked. No, he was part of the shows, and I didn't mind him. Hell, in some of them, he was good and likable. So it's not that. It's just that it just did not belong, and you could see how they tried to force it in to the story. And again, I can appreciate what they're trying to do because he was – the franchise with Vin, especially, you know, like it, it, it revolved around here in many different ways. And they want to pay homage to that because he meant so much to them as a person as well. But I don't felt it belonged at the end of the movie. Post credits, sure. But to put it in the movie at the end was such a, we're going to twist that emotional knife that we just jabbed into your back just because, and it, it felt forced and used in trying to toy with our emotions in a way that I, I just couldn't respect. I see, and I don't think that's what it was. And, I do. You got to understand though, like, so this group of actors in particular for this franchise, it has been noted not just by the cast, but by the crew and everybody else that's worked on these movies with them. They're friends. They're all really, really good friends. They are tight. They were people that would hang out when they weren't shooting they would interact with each other. They would spend time with each other. They were good friends. So I don't look at this as them trying to force it down our throat. And I don't look at it like that. For me, the movie ended before that scene. And I will admit that the scene was a little bit out of place. And yes, it should have been maybe pushed off to after credits. But I can I can mentally break that off. But for me, it was this is a group of friends who want to say goodbye to somebody who was such a a part of their lives for so many years in a, in a public way, in a way that they say, you know, we're going to pay him some form of tribute and they want to have like, yeah, but that's nice exactly what off. I just said. That's exactly what I just said, but which it was, it didn't ruin it for me. It was still like, I saw that. And I'm like, you know what? I am completely okay with this. Uh, see, to me, it was them trying to play with our heartstrings. And again, there's a place for that. And post credits is where that belongs. Not just shit about trying to lift Thor's hammer. You can have actually meaningful shit at the end of credits. And it would have worked beautifully. But by tacking it on at the end of the movie and making it the end of the movie, it just did not work for me at all. See, and and I was okay with it because I remember that when the first movie came out, like, Vin Diesel wasn't the name when the first movie came out. Yeah. The first movie came out and 
Paul Walker was the name. So the whole franchise and everything probably wouldn't have gotten done if he hadn't attached his name to it. And so I could see them wanting to do something in the movie and not just post credit where not everybody's gonna see, you know, Oh, okay. There's something afterwards, but it's just the tribute thing. We're just going to walk out cause we don't give a shit because he's kind of one of the main reasons why it got done because he was the big actor at the time when it came out. So I could see them. And especially like Joe said, with the cast being so close and everything, them not wanting to put it, after the fact when everybody can just walk out because he was such a big part of everything. Vince. Yeah. I'm with Roger on this one. Like I, I, the scene itself, no problem. It just, it it felt really awkward where it was placed in the film. Yeah. Yeah. Actually they could have been creative with it too. They actually could have played it with the credits, Mm -hmm. overlaid the credits on it. And that would have worked as well. And, yeah, you know, yeah, I could even see that too. Just a, a, a slight um, fade, just, a few credits, and then start running it. Although yeah, one, I could just see their kind of their, I guess, point of view on why they put it where they did. Oh, and again, and that's not something that I'm judging because again, I can appreciate that they want to do something for someone that they cared about. I hey, it's not my movie. I don't give a rat's ass. I'm just saying, watching it for what it is. And just trying to appreciate the movie and not think of the reality of, oh, Walker's dead at the end of the show really doesn't work for me. I, I want to watch this show and enjoy it and think, oh, look, dude is playing with his kids on the beach. He's having fun and, and, and this and that. And, 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 and that's what I want. Not be thinking in the back of my head the entire time. Well, that's not really Paul Walker. That's his mm-hmm. brother, and they digitally put his face on him, kind of thing. So it it just didn't work for the movie. I I don't want to be taken out of the movie, even a bad one. I wanna I want to be invested in the movie. And one thing that I, I do appreciate though is that they retired Brian. They did like yeah. watching the movie the first time. Every time he was in danger, I was like, oh, oh my God, yeah. is this the scene where yeah. they kill him off? So like, the fact that he that. made it through the movie unscathed and he just retired, I was actually really happy to see that. I would have actually yeah. preferred him getting killed off, which again, sounds cold. But that, <laughs> that would have been the obvious move. Everybody but, was expecting that. Yeah, but it would have been, it would have been equally heart-wrenching because of the reality. So you're inserting it briefly kind of thing so that yeah it it has more of an emotional impact because we know it to be true but also it could have been like you just said you're always wondering is this the race where he bites it and eventually he does so it, it wouldn't have even had to have been at the end of the show but i mean it could have been at any point and then it would have also produced a lot more gravity to the rest of the movie as well and the franchise going forward because now in the back of your head, you're always like with Furious 8. Like, well, why aren't they going to see what he's doing? And then, you know, just getting him recruited again or racing or calling him on the phone or, or Skyping or whatever kind of deal. <laughs> because Diz just chilling on a beach with a margarita. He's got to be bored. And we don't have that. So I think they, they actually, miss, again, sounds cold, missed an opportunity here to really add a lot of weight to to the films moving forward. I don't know how you guys feel about eight. Like, do you do you do you feel it should have ended with seven or because the the big thing is Vin is saying like Paul really wanted to do an eight and that's what was the biggest push for them to do it. I'm sure there was the financial stuff with Universal pushing Vin as well that they wanted more of them, but. Do you think that it should have kind of ended with that because of what happened, or are you happy they're they're working on an eight? No, I'm I'm happy that they're working on an eight, and I'll go see it. I mean, I think if it's something where because everybody was so close, if anyone felt weird about doing it, they wouldn't hesitate to not do it. Like it's not like any of them in the cast are really hurting for money. Go. Your mute's on. Yeah, no, I know. I was trying not to sneeze. <laughs> um, I'm okay with having more movies. I, I'm actually looking forward to eight. 
Um, it's one of those series where I will watch as many as they put out. They're fun for me. I enjoy them quite a bit. I will watch eight. I will watch nine. I will watch ten. And I will enjoy them. It's kind of for me. It's almost like the James Bond movies. How many of those are there? And I will still go back and watch every single last one of them. It's just fun for me. <laughs> yes, every one of them, even the awful ones. Okay. All right. Well, any parting thoughts? We'll start with you, Joe. Honestly, I think it's one of the the better franchises just simply because it doesn't take itself too seriously. It's just complete total fan service. I absolutely love it. Give me give me weird stunts, give me fast cars, give me weird random convoluted plots and, and espionage all day long, and I'll I'll love it forever. With the exception of the the obvious parachuting cars tart, what what was some of your favorite stunts in the franchise? You had to take away my parachuting cars. Well, didn't you? you made it clear that that is your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, definitely the car jumping between buildings in Dubai. Yeah. Um, and the safe, because I think we all have to agree on the safe. Yeah. Um, I really loved a lot of the early stunts from like the first and from like Tokyo Drift. Oh, yeah. Because I loved the cars that they used. That's I what I was going to ask Supras, you. The Skyline, stuff like that, as opposed to like the Maseratis and stuff like that in the later ones. Yeah, like I, much I really pre- loved the old actual street racing cars. I remember back in the day when it was the the modding out the Honda Civics, and you got the street races with with those kind of things, and and I always love that. There's just something about the 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 souped up Japanese cars. As much as I like American muscle cars, there's something so slick and cool about the Japanese cars that that just is so fun to watch on screen as well pretty much yeah any other pardon thoughts um no i'm i'm kind of with everyone else as long as they keep making them i'll i'll keep watching them all right vince well i think one thing that can't be understated about the success of this franchise is how much diversity it has uh, you look at the, yeah. the the cast. I mean, black, white, Asian, Hispanic, male, female. They all have a chance to shine. Like the girls uh, in some of the movies get better fight scenes than the guys. I, I I think that has a lot to do with you know why it's continued to not just thrive but grow. You know, I, everybody has a character in this movie they can relate to. Everybody, you know, th- this person is my favorite. Nobody's left out. And like you look at as much as people are yelling at, you know, Marvel and Warner, you know, where's where's the diversity? Where's the representation? And the stupid car racing movie is the franchise that's getting it right. So I think they deserve a lot of praise for that. That's actually a very good point I should have brought up to you. No, you're absolutely right. Okay. Well, that is going to wrap it up for this episode. Guys, thank you so much for coming on. That was awesome. Oh, you're welcome. Shut up, you. Thank you for having us. I've had to put up with you for three days straight. You just shut up. <laughs> what, are, what are we recording tomorrow, Ross? <laughs> Me laughing at you. You just won't be here. <laughs> Telling horrible Vince jokes. <laughs> so, Tart, thank you for coming. It was awesome thank having you, you here. Thank you for having me. We'll have to have you on again. We'll have to pick another show that you're excited Joe about. Joe hasn't seen. Yes. Well, I didn't say Joe was coming on. <laughs> Fuck that noise. <laughs> I accept my lot in life. <laughs> Bastards. So, again, thank you very much for coming on, guys. It was awesome. So happy to have you on. So, everyone else, make sure to check out the show notes at popcornronin.com. You can find us on Twitter. Well, we'll start with Joe. He's at LoaderZJ. Look him up. Tart is Tart Darling. Vince, of course, is Simone, and myself is Zen Buddhist. You can leave us comments if you'd like on the site or also on iTunes and Stitcher. And with that, we will see you in a couple weeks when we are going to have a really good Wes Craven episode. And that should be a ton of fun as well. And with that, we will talk to you guys later. TV, movie, and anime reviews, please make certain to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments.
If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out their Comic Book Informer podcast, as well as For the Lore, a weekly gaming podcast. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Thank you.